You want to make time for art. This means open-ended art, not a craft. You can do that too. And that's great for fine motor when they have like steps to produce a result. But open-ended art allows kids to explore their creativity. They learn to mix colors. They learn what happens when they mix colors and what that looks like. Painting, drawing, but without a finished product in mind. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So there's a huge part of our children's development that happens in most cases outside the family home, their education. The way we approach learning can make or break a child's experience with education. If they have a great experience, they're excited to keep learning. If they have a terrible experience that goes on too long, it can be hard to get them reengaged and energized for the learning process. This episode, I'm digging into education for all ages, preschool to high school, and what we can do to help our kids have the best possible experiences that are most advantageous for kids of each age. What to do when your child has an issue at school based on the common questions that I do get from parents when they have negative feedback about their child at school or when their child is struggling at school. So we're definitely going to tap into that, what to do when your child is struggling at school, whether it's socially or academically. Then I'll discuss individual needs and how you can begin to assess these for your child for their optimal learning experience and and then how to go about finding the right educational fit for your child. And honestly, this has been the most challenging part of parenting for me is the educational process. When I had kids, I thought I'll find them a great preschool. They'll get a great foundation. They'll move on and they'll just go to their local neighborhood elementary school, middle school, and high school. And that will be that. But that has not been the case for us at all. Just to share a little bit about our experience through the process, I did find an amazing preschool I've talked about before. It was a Reggio school. My kids loved it. It was Spanish immersion. It's the most engaging, incredible early learning experience they probably could have had. I then put my older son into a charter school starting in kindergarten. We had a really nice experience. They had some really great learning opportunities that were not available at his local elementary school. But unfortunately, the school started to go under. We could see it coming. And so I moved him to his local elementary school. He did fine in the classroom. He did great. Um, He's very academically minded. He is one of those kids that can can learn in the 
kind of cookie cutter academic environment. So he did fine. My twin started TK at that school and we did okay. We kind of had to struggle through the system a little bit with sometimes not having the great fit in some classrooms, mostly for my younger son, due to him being a little bit of a different learner with ADHD. And then we started having some problems in elementary school with my older son, especially in fourth grade and my two younger kids. Now, was he in fifth grade? He must've been in fifth grade. So with my older son in fifth grade, and then my two, my one younger son in third grade, my daughter was still doing great. She had just an amazing classroom experience with an amazing teacher. My older son had had an amazing experience all the way up through amazing teachers, um, amazing learning, allowing him to be a very independent learner. He felt very engaged and very appreciated in the classroom, got to do some really amazing projects. But his fifth grade teacher was a real struggle for him. He was filling out a lot of worksheets. He was extremely bored. Um, and the discipline, the discipline was very authoritarian, something he's not used to. And usually based on other children's behavior. So he was being punished for other children's behavior. And he would come to my car crying at the end of the school day, every single day after school. We tried to work through this with the school and we just weren't very successful. We had very similar experiences with my younger son. And so we ended up moving the two of them to a charter school. Their sister had the option to stay where she was or come with them. And she decided to go along with them. That charter was school was great. It was project-based learning. They had all had great teachers there as well. And we had a really good experience. Then COVID hit and, and we all know that we all struggled through that. Then we moved to San Diego. So it's a very expensive area. We ended up moving to an area of town that, although in the traditional sense, the schools weren't rated as highly, but in a non-traditional sense, I think we ended up in the best possible school district because there are so many school options. And so my two Younger kids ended up in a magnet school. Um, as you've heard me talk about, this middle school is absolutely incredible. The experiences are incredible. The middle school experience has been absolutely amazing. My older son at a charter school and my two younger children at a magnet school. And we'll talk more about this as we work, as I get to those age groups and talking about schooling for the older ages. So I can actually already tell this is going to be a multiple part series, probably two to three parts, because I want to go into this topic in some amount of depth in order for it to be most helpful for everyone to cover more deeply each age range as you move forward in your child's educational experience. So first, I want to mention Sir Ken Robinson. He has a couple of TED Talks in one of his talks titled Do, Ki Do Kids. Do schools kill creativity? He says that kids have extraordinary capabilities, including innovation, but that, quote, we squander them pretty ruthlessly, end quote. His theory was that creativity is just as important as literacy in today's world. And I couldn't agree more. The world is changing. The skills children will need to be fulfilled and happy and contribute in the world in their careers are vastly different than they were 50 years ago. And yet, overall, not everywhere, but overall schools still haven't caught up. They haven't changed much. Schools have not been able to keep up for the most part. Now, but when you tune into your child, their skills, their talents, and their learning styles, and learn about the options for education that can support your child's unique learning and needs and skills and talents and capabilities, you have a recipe for very positive and powerful educational experiences for your children that will prepare them to flourish in a world that is ripe with opportunities. So 
some things to think about. What do you remember about school? Did you like it? Did you like certain grades, but then you didn't like certain grades? Did you loathe it at any point? Or maybe you fell somewhere in between. Did you have a favorite subject or classes? Did you have classes that you hated? Why? Now, I remember for the most part, finding school pretty boring. Sixth grade was pretty awesome because we actually did project-based learning, which was extremely rare back then in the 80s. And also that seemed to be the year that they divided us out more academically. Now, I'm not suggesting this particularly, but we definitely were. I was in with the kids who were really strong learners, and that definitely made a difference in what the teacher offered. Now, I think you can still do this in classrooms that have an array of different levels of learners or talents in different areas of learning, but it definitely takes um, it definitely takes some creativity, and there's a lot of options available today that I'm going to talk about, um, things that can be offered in the classroom that you can look for or ask for or advocate for in your child's classroom, because I do think kids need to be exposed to different types of thinkers and learners. Because when we get out in the workforce, we need to work with different types of people and we all bring something to the table that when we work together can build something really amazing. So anyway, that experience is what made my sixth grade year stand out. The other thing I remember is first semester ninth grade U.S. history. I get that history is a hard subject to make exciting for most kids, but this was extra boring. But the second semester, I had a brand new teacher who clearly loved teaching. She seemed to love the subject matter. And there was something about the way she presented the material that made it like a story that unfolded. For the first time, I saw history as not a bunch of flat facts and people that were irrelevant, that had no bearing on my present life. But I saw it as an unfolding of society with people who had lived and loved and struggled and brought change which has led us to where we are today. Now, most of us have been conditioned to believe that work is something you do to pay the bills. It's not supposed to be engaging, let alone fulfilling. And we got this indoctrination early, usually in elementary school. We also got that same thing about school, that school isn't supposed to necessarily be fun or engaging either. You're there to learn what they teach, and that's that. But the purpose of education is to prepare children to learn the skills that will aid them in becoming contributing members of society. And this has changed through time because back in the 40s and 50s, that meant for most kids, a lot of society didn't go to college yet. They were being prepared for factory work, for mechanics, for accountants. Creativity was not valued. It wasn't something that society used a lot outside for most jobs. They just didn't require it. They needed factory workers. They needed people who could follow directions. Now, luckily, the work landscape has changed drastically. Creative people are very successful in today's world. Also, luckily, education has changed to some degree, especially if your child is lucky enough to have a school and a district and a teacher who embrace these ideals, like my kids in middle school. But in a vast majority of state education departments, districts, and schools, we still have a long way to go. Far too often, kids are still expected to sit still, listen, do their work, regardless of how repetitive, disinteresting, or boring it is for them or how much of it they've already mastered. Now, if you've listened to me long enough, you know I don't mean by any stretch of the imagination that kids should be allowed to just run amok or ignore the teacher, not listen, not learn, not do the work. But you also know 
I know the teachers have a huge job, a lot of expectations on them that are not easy. And I believe change has to happen on a systemic level as well. But also what I mean is that kids are expected to learn in one particular way, the way it's being taught. They are not usually co-creators in their learning. They are passive participants. If they struggle to contain their boredom, their disinterest, or they try to relieve their boredom in any kind of creative way, they're often labeled as having behavioral problems that need to be fixed immediately. And I believe this is what needs to change. So first, in episode 309, I interviewed my twin's middle school principal, who is a dynamic agent for change, for whom I have the utmost respect for what he has done at this school. He took a vastly underperforming school and with a lot of creativity, basically tore it down and started to build from the ground up. He pulled in community members, teachers, parents, and students who are currently at the school to learn what they all wanted and needed to make their education and their school experience meaningful to them. I highly recommend that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. Both of my twins say it is the best school they have ever attended. So the goal, I believe, is to see these key things in all levels of learning, preschool through adult learning, no matter what we're learning, whether it's formal or informal education. Number one, the ability to learn in ways that appeal to the individual, an offering of different ways of learning the same material. We need to learn the material. The kids need to learn the material, but they need to learn it in ways that make it appealing to them. And I'm going to talk about more about what that means probably in the next episode. I don't think we're going to get to that today. Also, an ability for the learner to have input into their learning process and not just the way they learn, but what to some degree and how they're going to learn it, what works for them and what doesn't. So to be able to work and be a co-creator. I'm having a really hard time picking up this material through lectures. What are other ways that I can learn about this material? Ways that maybe are more interactive, maybe ways that are through projects. And we're going to talk about that a lot deeper. Ways to work with teachers and administration, moving towards a solution for their learning. If something is not clicking for them, if there's concepts they're really struggling with, being able to find other ways to try to work on those and even maybe having extra time for that. Which leads right into the next one, a fluid learning environment, meaning the ability to move ahead when they've already mastered a concept or spend more time learning concepts that don't come as quickly or easily to them. It's all too common for children who have concepts down solid to still be expected to complete worksheet after worksheet. This to me is such a waste of their time and their potential and their abilities. It opens up opportunities for struggle, for misbehavior, because they may react out of sheer frustration and boredom. It's also just as common for a child who doesn't pick up a skill such as reading or math or science as quickly to only get a certain allotted time to learn a concept and then they're ushered forward because everybody's got to move forward, which only sets them up for more frustration as they fall further and further behind. They're missing a basic concept, but now we got to move on to the next one. And now they're really struggling. How can a child be expected to be successful at division if they're still not solid in subtraction? Now, as a very simple example, if you've heard of Khan Academy, Sal Khan has created an amazing tool to begin to address this very issue. We can free kids up to go and work on things they need extra time on rather than spending time on a skill they already have down. 
So actually, Khan Academy is being used in many classrooms more and more throughout not just the U.S., but throughout the world. And this is just one solution that is extremely creative. And it's free. That's the other thing. It's fully free. Schools can use it for free. So my oldest son often comments about his first grade experience. We started talking about this more. And these are things my kids never told me about. And some of the aspects he found frustrating. And one of the ones he talks about is the reading groups. He talked about how they had reading groups and they were named after animals. He said, I mean, come on. I was in the first grade and it's not hard to figure out that the cheetahs were the most advanced readers and the turtles were the group that struggled the most. The rabbits were second and the dolphins were third. Everyone knew which group was which. It wasn't that hard to figure out. And of course, this can be really damaging to a child's self-esteem and their internal motivation for that skill. So once you're already labeled as slow, or you know that you're slower than some of your classmates or a lot of your classmates, whether you're actually called slow or a turtle, when the truth is that as in all things, development is so individualized and some kids may not be developmentally ready to read at five or six. There's a lot of skills that need to come on board first. One-to-one correspondence, pattern recognition, language development, just to name a few. But given time, the same child may shoot ahead in a short amount of time. By second grade, that child may be catching up and then shooting ahead in reading if they're given the opportunity, if they're not left to feel like, I just suck at this thing and I'm never going to be good at it. And then they just start hating it. And it's so hard to get them to engage in it after that when they feel self-conscious from the beginning. And it then becomes a negative feedback loop and they don't get the chance to reach their potential. And number four, an environment that celebrates and supports all types of gifts and talents, not just traditional academic subjects like reading, writing, and math. And through traditional methods of learning, auditory and visual learning. So I'm going to get deeper into all of these about how we can do that, what we can look for in the classroom, how we can advocate for that, how we can find a classroom that's a good fit for our child's style and skills and talents, and we'll support all of them. And I share all of this with you so that you have a vision of what is a most supportive and advantageous environment for your child. And so you have some knowledge to ask questions, make suggestions, and advocate for your individual learner or learners. I'm going to talk about this again more in a second episode. So once I cover all of these back, this background information, we're going to get into learning styles and multiple intelligence and how to find the right learning environment for your child to support those once you have a better understanding of what that is. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy-to-digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about BiHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code 
parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, I'm going to start with preschools and all the options and things to look for. Then I'm going to talk about some formal education from elementary through high school. So finding a preschool is both exciting and can be a bit overwhelming, especially at first. And the awesome thing about preschool is that there are so many options because you aren't just assigned to one that you have to take. And if you want to change it, you have to fill out a bunch of paperwork and go to meetings just to try to get the school moved. You get to choose what school works for you, what works with your child's personality, their development, their temperament, and with your family values. So first, I'm going to start with enrichment at home because this is an option. If you opt not to send your child to preschool or you want to offer extra enrichment at home, here's some things to think about. You want to have regular playdates with the same kids two to three times a week to give them opportunities to build play skills ongoing with the same kids. You want to read a lot. Reading to children is the biggest predictor of their reading success later. You want to engage them in the story, ask questions about the story, the characters, the setting, what would happen if, even acting out the story with puppets, stuffed animals, and poseable characters. You want to really pull the kids into the story. You want to have educational toys and rotate them out every few weeks. Things like building toys, wooden blocks were my favorite, my kids' favorite, because they can use their imagination to create while they learn about engineering concepts, balance, and weight manipulative toys like strings and big beads, Play-Dohs, sand. These can build fine motor skills. And I do have a class on educational toys in the library on yourvillageonline.com if you want to learn more about what educational toys would be great to have around for your child, whether you're doing home whether you're doing home enrichment or not. These are a list of toys that engage children in different ways for developing different areas of body and mind. Also, the class you're developing toddler has lots of great ideas on developing your toddler or preschooler in all areas. There's your developing preschooler and your developing toddler. You want to make time for art. This means open-ended art, not a craft. You can do that too. And that's great for fine motor when they have like steps to produce a result. But open-ended art allows kids to explore their creativity. They learn to mix colors. They learn what happens when they mix colors and what that looks like. Painting drawing, but without a finished product in mind. Okay, so different types of preschools, co-op or cooperative program. These are run through and depend on parent participation. So if this is something you're interested in, it helps run the school. It tends to be a lot less expensive. They do have a main teacher and the parent will rotate as the classroom assistant. So you don't have to be there all the time, but you get to be very involved in their preschool education. And other ones, parents will run the office or they're in charge of fundraising. The expected participation will vary from once a week to once a month, depending on the school. Parents who choose a co-op program want to be highly involved in their child's education, starting at the preschool level. So I want to talk a couple of cons, just in case you think about the co-op program, something to keep in mind. 
There's usually a wide range of discipline styles, so the expectations may change from day to day depending on who is helping out that day, especially if it's in the classroom. It can be more difficult adjustment for children who are slow to warm. So if you have a child who's slow to warm up to new people, when there's a different teacher or assistant teacher moving throughout the week or, and they're rotating, especially and they're only coming in once or twice a month, this can be difficult for those type of children. And I do talk about slow to warm and how to deal with this in the temperament class also on the website. Okay, a very popular type of preschool that's been around for a long, long time is the Montessori School. It's a philosophy developed by Maria Montessori. She was a physician and an educator. This was based on her extensive research with kids with special needs. So it actually started out as a school for kids with special needs. Her teachings were characterized by an emphasis on independence, freedom within limits, and respect for a child's natural, psychological, physical, and social development. So you can see all the positives there. It emphasizes the development of initiative and self-reliance, which are important skills for all kids. And especially as we talk about all the opportunities available today, kids that start developing these skills, who learn to be self-reliant, to learn to test their own self-reliance and independence from early on, will then have gained confidence in those skills much easier and better than if they are not allowed to do that. They might tend to be more, more reserved, not have confidence in those skills which is an amazing trait to be able to draw on. So the range of practices at Montessori schools can vary, but according to the association Montessori Internationale, French, but I didn't use my little French accent, which I don't really have, and the American Montessori Society, the following elements are essential. Mixed age classrooms. Classrooms for children's ages starting two and a half to three up to six are the most common. Students are given a choice of activities within a range of predetermined options, uninterrupted blocks of work time, ideally around three hours. Students are given the opportunity to learn concepts by working independently with materials rather than by direct instruction. The use of specialized educational materials that were developed by Montessori and her collaborators. Freedom of movement within the classroom. A teacher specifically trained in Montessori methods and curriculum. And generally, there's not a lot of pretend play. Rather, they focus on meaningful and real activity like measuring, pouring, and painting. So keep that in mind. There will be schools that might be mixed and will bring in the pretend play, which also I feel is a really important part of development to be able to explore that. But if you find an amazing Montessori school and they stay very strictly within the Montessori methods, you can always bring this in at home. Children are encouraged to discover through interacting within their environment. And the classroom is divided by area with no time limits. Reggio. Now, this is what I had my kids in was a Reggio preschool. This was started by Amelia Reggio. The general philosophy is that the curriculum is built around the children's interest. So our kids went to a school. Our oldest happened to be the oldest child at the school when he started. And he had a really big interest in space. So the head teacher built a whole unit on space where they learned about the solar system They built a huge mural with all the planets in order and even built a space shuttle out of cardboard boxes. My son brought home the mural when they were done displaying that for, I think she kept it up for like a month or more at the school and the huge space shuttle. She let him take it home and he had that in his room for, well, the mural was actually hung up in his closet for years, I think until we moved out of that house. And the space shuttle lasted, I wanna say over a year in in our house, he loved it. 
The concepts that will be covered are decided ahead of time, but how they will be taught is unknown until the children's interests emerge. The idea is that it builds academic excitement and engagement. This is one of those pieces I'm talking about that really should carry through later on into elementary school and beyond, really building around the children's interests and the way that they learn and even potentially what they learn, at least for some of the units. There's a heavy focus on creative material, such as blocks, paints, clay, a lot of creating, making, and building. There is also a lot of emphasis on nature and spending time outdoors. There's an emphasis on reflective answers, meaning exploring children's answers. It emphasizes thinking in an open and flexible manner. Um, We loved the outdoors. She had pomegranate trees. The kids could go pick pomegranates and they would open them. Not the kids, but the adults would open them, but they'd show them how. They would cut them open and they could eat pom. My kids still talk about this to this day. We had a pomegranate tree. Can we get a pomegranate tree? They loved it. She also brought in plants that would attract butterflies. I think she had milkweed and the butterflies would come and just gather on this milkweed. The caterpillars would come and they would cocoon and then they would emerge as butterflies. She did some of the most amazing things. They had an outdoor kitchen where they would make like mud pies and soups by putting in leaves and flowers. And she just had the most incredible outdoor learning environment. So that's Reggio. Waldorf philosophy emphasizes citizenship and moral character. There's a big emphasis on natural materials and learning through nature. So you can see that also overlaps with some of the Reggio. So there's also a big push against technology, especially for younger children. And just related to that, I do have a class on kids in media, newborn through 10, also 11 plus on uh, the website, yourvillageonline.com. If you want to learn more about the effects of media, both positive and negative, there's a lot of positives too, because we, you know, we're not going to get away from media and it is going to be a part of most likely our kids' futures, but giving them that time when they're younger to just explore the world, the natural world, engineering and building concepts, social skills is really what we want to focus on in these earlier ages anyway. They will definitely get a lot of access and a lot of opportunity with technology as they get older. So also Waldorf works to build confidence, moral and emotional stability, intellectual flexibility through learning, engaging the whole child. So that's also a little bit similar to the Regia where they're engaging the whole child. So all of their different aspects of their learning, their language, their cognitive, their physical development. High Scope is a Piagetian-based approach. So my development series, I talk about Piaget, who was a psychologist who studied children for 40 years. He was revolutionary in his theories of children's cognitive development. So what this means for high scope is that learning is based on very hands-on interactive experiences. The curriculum is built around cognitive and language development with an emphasis on math and science rather than pretend play. So here we are again, another type of school that doesn't really engage in pretend play, which again, I also is, I feel like is very important for working on social skills as they work through their pretend play, also for the development of creativity and imagination. So If you're going to a school that doesn't engage in pretend play because they're focused on other things, totally fine, but really would be a good idea to bring some of that into the home. So they use and they teach children plan, do, review. Another thing I would love for them to bring more into elementary schools. This means the kids will plan a project or discuss their play beforehand. So what are the rules of the game or who is playing what role? 
and kind of talk about how it's going to play out, which means they plan their project or discuss their play beforehand. Then they will do the project or engage in the play. So they're playing construction crew or they're playing restaurant. Then they will review the results. Did it turn out the way that they expected? Did the project turn out the way that they expected, the way that they envisioned? Did the play that they engaged in, you know, the, the restaurant turn out the way they expected? Why or why not? Did it turn out better than expected? What would they try next time that they didn't try this time? And you can see how enriching and engaging this type of play could be and opening them up to reflection about their process and about their learning. Teachers also use scaffolding, which means giving hints and suggestions rather than answers to help guide children's learning in order to teach reasoning skills. And then there is the mixed preschools. Very few preschools will fall strictly into one of these philosophies that I covered. So while many will have one of these as their guiding philosophy, most are some sort of mix, bringing in pieces they like about each of the different philosophies. So that's why you could have a high scope preschool or a Montessori preschool that actually does bring in pretend play into the curriculum. The great thing about all of these is that they don't oppose each other in any fundamental ways, but they rather focus on different areas of development or different ways of developing the same skill. So they can complement one another very nicely. Now, there's one type of school that all child development experts recommend to avoid, and that is the academic-based preschool. This doesn't mean kids can't learn academic concepts early, and often they do. They do learn engineering and math types of skills like measuring and volume and patterns and all kinds of things through their play in these different schools. They will teach a lot of scientific concepts. They will teach one-to-one correspondence, which is what you need before they ever start to read. They will teach letters and numbers, but in ways that are engaging and fun. My son at the Reggio school was really big into writing and she had a writing center. And every morning he would come into the school and he would beeline over to the writing center and he would sit down and he would start writing letters. He would be asking how to spell things. And he always made all the signs for every pretend play that they ever did, whether they played restaurant or ice cream shop or barber shop. He was the one making the signs because that's what he loved to do. And he was also the oldest. So, you know, there was no one else who really wanted to take on that task either. So he, that was his one of his jobs at the school. I want to talk about some elementary and high school options as well, but I'm just going to give some teaser today. We'll talk more about that in the next episode because, and then I will also talk about learning styles and multiple intelligence theory, which is a really important foundation to understand when it comes to creating a really positive educational experience for your kids. But hopefully you are living in a town or a city where there is educational choice. There are places where that's not an option, where we used to live outside of Los Angeles, which is surprising, but educational choice was very, very, very limited. Let's talk about how this all works. So in the U.S., I don't know a lot about the educational system outside of the U.S., but in the U.S., generally we are assigned to a neighborhood school in the public education system. And you are, for the most part, expected to go to that school. But there are usually options to do an inter-district transfer, which means within your district, you could choose a different school as long as they have openings. Now, our school where my kids went, I did have quite a few openings and there were kids from other neighborhoods who would 
transfer into that school. So we had a lot of kids from other neighborhoods who would come to our school because there were openings. There was a STEM school in the district, but it was very full and it was very hard to get in. But other than that, it was very difficult. There was one charter school in the entire district. They really were not very open to school of choice options, and they didn't really welcome starting school of choice, which is one of the reasons that his initial charter school went under. But you can always look into an inter-district transfer. If the neighborhood school you have just isn't quite working, they don't really offer the things that your child is interested in, not a good fit for other reasons socially, then you can look for an inter-district transfer. There's also intra-district transfers. You can go outside of your school district to another school if your district doesn't offer the type of school you want your child to go to. So for instance, the school district that my children are currently in is Vista Unified School District. Vista is very open to school choice. There are so many options. We have magnet schools that have different focuses. One of the elementary schools focuses on the arts. The other is STEM. There's also schools that are called international baccalaureate schools. I'll talk about that a little bit more next week. So if you want this type of school for your child, you want an international baccalaureate background for your child. Again, I'll talk about the advantages and what that is next week. If you want your child, if your child loves drama or art or dance or design or arts of any kind, you can opt to get a spot at a magnet school that focuses on that. Or if it's math, science, tech, engineering, you can find a school that focuses on that. And so long as the school within your district doesn't offer that, you can request and you must be granted an intra-district transfer. So we have quite a few kids who come into our district from outside to attend these schools like where my younger kids go, to go to a school that has the kind of offerings that they do between all the tech and the arts of photography and drama and TV. They have a news program and they have a theater. They have amazing hands-on science where in eighth grade, they build skateboards, they build RC cars, and they learn about physics from using RC cars on a track. They have a swim team and a water polo team. They have dance as an option for gym. So there's so many options. So if their school doesn't offer that, they can opt to come to other schools within our district. So that is an option. If your local school, your neighborhood school or nothing within your district offers the right fit for your child. Again, next week, we're going to get into the learning styles and multiple intelligence theories so that you can get a really solid understanding of where your child might fall in these. So you know what to look for when you go out and you're looking for something that's a really excellent fit that will really engage them in their learning and development as an individual. If you want to know more about finding a preschool, about multiple intelligence theory and learning styles, about development, whether it's toddler or preschool, all those classes are on the website, 60 parenting classes on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.